what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. Across the table from me on the other corresponding microphone is Mr. Chris Fry. Chris, how's it going? It's going well. Um, We're in the midst of, despite the writer's strike stuff that we mentioned on the last uh, episode, there are a lot of movies coming out. So, uh, you know, movie season, summer, and then of course the winter coming up, we'll have a lot of movies, but uh, having a lot of movies to talk about. After uh, the winter, maybe, maybe maybe a little questionable, but we'll see. Uh, Hopefully we still got a little bit of some new movies to show and talk about and review for the next, uh, next couple months anyway. Sure. And that's what we're going to be doing in today's episode as we are reviewing and discussing the latest film from Disney, the latest theme park film and their theme park universe i don't know cinematic sure. tpcu the theme park cinematic universe is I like it haunted mansion by director justin simeon um we'll be discussing that film after we discuss that film we'll be going into talking about some recommendations chris and i every month we get together during one of our episodes and give a recommendation of a film that we recently caught up with or had a chance to see and we want to recommend to others. It's a film that you'll be able to see online or see in some way, rental, streaming, uh, some various forms there. So that'll be our show today. So Chris, we are going to be talking first up about Haunted Mansion. Are you ready to get started on that review? Yes. Let's move slowly into the center of the room. <laughs> Very nice. Oh, good. I love Thank that. You. And here we go. Talking about Disney's Haunted Mansion. When my son and I moved in here, it wasn't as warm as we hoped. Ah! Okay, I'm gonna light a vanilla candle and it's gonna be a game changer. And after midnight, the house comes alive. This place is haunted! Director Justin Simeon made a big splash with his debut film, a comedic drama called Dear White People, at the Sundance Film Festival 2014. The film has since been made into a series on Netflix of the same name that ran for four seasons. Simeon's follow-up film was 2020's horror comedy Bad Hair. Now the director has teamed up with Disney for his third feature, a film adaptation of the theme park attraction The Haunted Mansion. Unlike his two previous films, Simeon did not write or produce this film, and it is his first with a non-R rating. Disney's had a bumpy track record with theme park ride adaptations. They had success with 2003's Pirates of the Caribbean, followed it in 2015 with kind of a head-scratching Brad Bird-directed Tomorrowland, and most recently, 2021's Jungle Cruise that was kind of lukewarmly received, although The Rock said that a sequel is in development. Oh, The Rock did say the that? The Rock did say okay, that. Okay, well then, so, you know. that's absolutely happening. <laughs> now having seen Simeon's Haunted Mansion, what are your thoughts on this recent ride adaptation? 
Do you think it is destined to be forgotten, like the 2003 version that starred Eddie Murphy? And that was called The Haunted Mansion, whereas this one is just called Haunted Mansion. So The Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy came out the same year as uh, yes. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. So they were really going all in on the theme park ride movies back then. Yes. Um, okay, so this is just Haunted Mansion. Correct. So for those of you collecting the DVD set <laughs> and liking to organize them in alphabetical order, please note that the The is in front of the Eddie Murphy version where this one does not have a the. This one was filed solely under the H's. Correct. Haunted Mansion. Okay. Um, Haunted Mansion. Look, it's my favorite ride of all the Disney rides. I think, Chris, you and I are the same boat on that. Yes. Uh, every time I've ever been to Disney World, that is the one I look the most forward to and have the most fun with. It is the great classic ride. And uh, I, will, I will remember when the 2003 version was announced, I was kind of excited. And when it... Eddie Murphy was added to it. I was still pretty kind of a big Eddie Murphy fan. I was kind of excited. And then I just heard people say, no, it's no good. So I never saw it. I've never seen that film. Uh, But I was curious about this version uh, because of the cast and because of the director. And because what I saw, at least in some promotional material, seemed to be it hewing very close to the style of the ride the style of, uh, and plus it taking place in New Orleans, which yes. I was also thought was a really sure interesting take and, and a good take on what I was excited about. I'll say this about Haunted Mansion, Chris. It's fine. I mean, look, it's a good, entertaining movie. I don't have anything uh, profound, positive to say about it. There's nothing about the film that stood out to me as saying, wow, they really nailed this or did this great or this was something memorable from it. There's nothing. But at the same time, there's also nothing harmful about the film. There's nothing I can walk away from saying, oh, God, I can't believe they did this or did that. It is a perfectly serviceable piece of entertainment that I think people who like uh, that style of movie where it's like it's it's a scary movie, but it's not so scary that, you know, uh, older children are, are going to get bothered by it or upset by it. Uh, you can take a family. I wouldn't take little, I wouldn't take, you know, like little five, six, seven year olds to it, but you could take, uh, you know, some teenagers to it and it's, it's, it's fine. It's got some scares. It's got some good, it's got some good comedy at at times. I do think the cast, you know, if it didn't have this cast, I, I don't know what this movie would be. Um, but it's just a, it's just, it's a, it's a non-inflammatory, uh, but also not very memorable film. It's the best way I could describe it. <laughs> sure. Um, it was for me personally, it wasn't scary enough for it to be scary. It wasn't funny enough for it to be a comedy. It wasn't visually interesting enough to be something I think about and remember. And the story had nothing interesting to say in it as well. So it's just, it was a very lukewarm experience watching this film. I generally had an okay time watching it and I would recommend to people that, Hey, look, if you're a fan of the ride, if you, you like kind of the light uh, horror light films and you're just looking for a decent time in a movie theater, maybe it's super hot outside. You just want to get inside air conditioning <laughs> for a couple hours. Oh, sure. You could do worse right. than Haunted Mansion. That is the weakest review I've ever given for a movie, but I just, I don't know where else to go with this. I, I, I don't really have anything else to stand out about it necessarily. Chris, what, what what's your thoughts on this? I think film? we're I think we're basically on the same page. It's it's also kind of puzzling to me, this being a Disney film, and seems like 
you know, timing for putting this out now. Although, you know, yeah, escape the heat as opposed to waiting until maybe September. Yeah. When some of the season would play into it. And you want to like have your kids enjoy Halloween, but obviously you shouldn't let them see R rated horror movies. (laughs) This would be something perfect to kind of give, you know, you could go see as a family and it would be fun. So kind of head scratching why they put it out now. Um, Look on the horror side of level. Look, it's at the Ghostbusters original Ghostbusters level where it's like, right. look, I, yeah, there are some moments that are going to be, may cause you to jump or yeah, something. jump a little no. couple of jump scares or maybe some, uh, uh, gross looking faces from here and there. But you know, that's, that's about where it is. So you can handle that. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't release this uh, yeah. closer to Halloween. Time. I'll say the string, you know, there are some couple of strengths, I guess I would say the, the Keith Stanfield who plays one of the leads um, in the film, um, he was great as the central character. He's, he needs to play this kind of down on his luck guy, but yet he's got a sense of charm and he can you know deliver one liners. He's somebody that I've always been curious to see what he's in. You know, he's been in get out and sorry to bother you at Judas and the black Messiah. This is his first like kids movie that I've ever yeah. seen him in. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to see him make that shift, but he's got the dramatic chops and the charm, the comedic timing to do something like this. So I think he was like, perfectly cast as i say i think the cast is good and it starts with lakeith stanfield right. you're right he does he plays this part really well i like this character thought he was interesting he he adds a little something different to this film that starts to make it be a little more interesting sure i don't feel like it ever really gets there but it, it has the it has the seeds of some interesting things that could be done with this film based on his character and performance and yeah. i think the way the film opens, it's kind of a flashback with his character. You learn some of his background, then it flashes forward where some events in his life have caused him to kind of be down and out. But they have him as a tour guide, a walking tour guide in New Orleans. And that kind of setting the stage and everything was very, like you've mentioned, kind of like you like the whole New Orleans aspect, very effective, very cool. Then once they kind of get to the mansion, all that kind of drops away. And then it's brought back kind of towards the end to kind of provide a little bit of closure and stuff. But it just needed to be a little better, better constructed. Yeah. Talking about the rest of the cast. I mean, Rosario Dawson as Gabby, kind of the the mother that, you know, moves to the mansion and is now the resident in the mansion. And she's uh, Rosario Dawson great actress really like her in a lot of things I see her and she's I think criminally underused in the film she she has a heavy moments in the beginning and you don't really spend a lot of time with her the rest of the film hardly at all um, you have Owen Wilson as Kent who is a mm, priest pastor quote <laughs> we'll see um, he had some decent humor to the to the film but again I, I feel I, I, let me let me finish out the cast and I want to kind of sure. pontificate on what I think was wrong with the casting on this. So Rosario Dawson, Owen Wilson, then you have Danny DeVito as a professor, professor yeah. that brought in, but a little off his rocker, a little <laughs> interesting character. Right. We already mentioned Lakeith Stanfield. Then you have Tiffany Haddish as Harriet, who is a medium uh, psychic brought in to try to help communicate with the dead in the house. And then you have their son, uh, Rosario Dawson's son, uh, Travis, played by Chase Dillon. So you have all these characters. 
It's great. I think it was one too many. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, roles were kind of spread a little too thin across them where none of them really had as much time to develop or be anybody interesting. Uh, specifically, I, I think the two that are there for comic relief, the Danny DeVito character and the Owen Wilson character, I, I think we talked about this. Don't really need both. I right. mean, it was just, it was a little too much, too many characters, too many people that uh, caused you to kind of divert your attention across all of them and never really gave any of them a lot more time to shine. But I think you could have in a movie like this. Um, and then you've got a lot of other smaller supporting parts that kind of floated in as well. That um, floated in like ghosts. Hey, see we're, we're doing there. all the, we're doing all the, the puns about ghost and haunted house today. Here you go. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is there as uh, Madame Leota. Yes. For those familiar with the ride, you will recognize that name. Um, so everybody's bringing in a pretty good performance. Everybody's doing their part. I just feel like the script tried to cram in too many different characters, didn't know what to do with all of them. You spend a lot of time in this movie with them all kind of sitting in a room, kind of talking about what's happening or what's going to happen or what might be happening. And it wasn't as terribly interesting. Um, there was uh, some sequences later in the film, towards the end especially, where they really ramp up the visual um, excitement of the film. And I think those moments worked. Those probably got to be one of my favorite parts of the film, where there's there was something more visually interesting going on within the house, and you really kind of got a sense of uh, what they're dealing with. But um, the rest of the film is just it was just it was fine. It was. Uh, just non-offensive, non, non-interesting, just passable general entertainment for two hours. Well, and I think when the we talked about how the New Orleans setting kind of fades away and you're in the mansion as the central location, the characters are kind of trapped there and it made you, us feel trapped there and yeah. not in a good way because a lot of times instead of doing some of the action set pieces, which they do later in the film, which I agree are good, it's talky. They're just talky, 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 talky in this one room. And you're just like, yeah, just have an action sequence or have something scary happen or do something. Well, and part of the shame of it too, is that you're kind of led to believe a little bit since insinuated that people are kind of stuck at the house for the first half of the film. Cause there's even sequences where people try to leave and they're like bringing them back. back, But then it's like later in the film, it's like, Oh no, we can totally leave and we can go do other things. And one of the some of the ghosts actually follow them as they go out, which I'm like, well, that could have been kind of interesting. You yeah. could have done some more out of the house with that, but, um, but overall, I get it. I mean, it's a film about haunted mansion. You right. know, you spend most of the time in sure. the mansion. Like I will say this: I, I, being very, very familiar with the ride, I was really happy and pleased with as many references and as many, uh, you know, kind of bringing in elements from the ride into the movie, it did feel like an extension of the movie. I mean, I felt like this is an extension of the ride. This is, if you know the ride really well, you're going to watch this movie and be like, Oh yeah, cool. They got that in there and that scene and that character, but without it ever being over the knock you over the head, like how obvious, Hey, look, we're doing this scene because it's from the ride. No, it just, they wove it into the, the film. And I thought that was pretty, pretty well done. And I think that's the characteristic that kind of wins you over for saying this is an okay film. It's yeah. not great, but you know, it's a, because the way they are able to re- weave in the different aspects, the ghosts that are featured, the spirits aversion to camera flashes, um, chairs resembling the coffin looking ride cars that you go in on the ride. So all these little touches that are done and there are a lot of them, but they're well done and subtly played. And you're like, 
you know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it it helps you to want to give the film a little bit of a pass. That's a good, that's the way I look at it. I do want to give the film a pass. I do feel like it's something that people can see and could choose to see, and I'm not going to dissuade them from seeing it. Um, I think it's just more for me. It's just, it's just a little on the tad on the disappointing side. I mean, you take a, a filmmaker, Justin Simeon, who sure. kind of gave his, his biography right. has done some really interesting projects and obviously has a very, uh, kind of a viewpoint when it comes to filmmaking mm-hmm. that I think is expressed in his other films. And I don't really see anything here. Right. And so it makes you feel like it really was just a, Hey, look, somebody wrote a script. Let's hire this guy to, to do it. And, you know, he has worked with Lucky Stanfield, or at least I think they've, they've worked together. Right. Um, I think maybe not, so. but yeah, maybe not. Yeah. But I was kind of excited to see, you know, Lucky Stanfield in a Justin Simeon film. And right. I don't really feel like we got anything that really stood out or was very memorable from it all. Um, I will say uh, there were moments I felt like the film was going to try to do something more. There were some moments of emotion or mm-hmm. some moments of some heavier subject matter brought in kind of even just in a passing way. And I thought, okay, if they explore this a little deeper, this, this actually makes the film interesting and it just never really went very far with it. So it kept it at a, just a serviceable level uh, from that end. So, um, uh, is there anything else we want to say about well, this? I've got a question for you, Alan. Yeah. So, you know, we've kind of talked about the film as well. You've oh. talked about the origins of how you, you know, Justin Simeon and his work. So coming up, Mr. Simeon has been doing work for, he's been writing and he's sl- slated to produce an upcoming Lando series in the Star Wars universe. Don't know if he'll be directing it. Maybe he'll do like the first one or two episodes or whatever. How do you feel about him now trying to do something in the Star Wars universe, specifically with Lando? Um, not great. <laughs> no, it's nothing against him. It's just, you know. You want him to develop his original content. Yeah. yeah I see I, I, I'm fearful. It looks like, I mean, with this film that we're talking about and now what you're mentioning is upcoming. It's like, oh, okay. So that's, he's another director that may have had some really interesting things to say that is getting kind of shoehorned into franchise projects and not to say you, a franchise project can't be something you can sure. have a personal voice in and, and make something interesting with, but it does, it does make that more challenging to do. I got it you. is and more that, restrictive. I think I'm a little hopeful just because he is writing it. I think mm. that's where, you know, this film could have been. That's true. Cause Haunted Mansion, he did not write. No. So yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm always curious when you have an up and coming director that makes some really, uh, great films, gets a lot of buzz for those. And then they get shoehorned into the Disney or the Marvel or the star Wars or the, some of these things, how much of that's by choice, because this is a project they've always wanted to work on and something they feel like they could bring something unique and original to how much of it is. They look, there's a lot of money being offered. And if that can help fund some other projects for me, I'm going to do that. So I don't know. Always curious to see. Chris, I forgot one thing I did want to mention with this review before we sure. we move on. Um, there's one actor assigned to this film. His name's even in the opening credits that we have not discussed. <laughs> right. Um, so Jared Leto yes. is listed on the cast as the hat box ghost. Mm-hmm. That is actually laid out in the opening credits. There's no spoiler on that. That is Jared yeah, Leto is there. the hat box ghost. Um, 
But again, I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything because I feel like we're getting a little spoilery territory. It's got to be probably one of the easiest (laughs) acting paychecks he's ever received, right? I would think so. Okay. Let's just say if you're going into this film wanting to see Mr. Leto because you're a big fan of his work and you're excited to see him in this role, I'd maybe temper those expectations (laughs) just a little bit downward. Yeah. Um, Fair. Yes. Well, and I think that's a fair way to say it without going any deeper. Sure. And I'll say that um, I had seen, there's some other, I I think this film on the last review that we did last week, you talked about Oppenheimer and how Nolan has like this huge cast and he uses all these people and sometimes it can be distracting. And I said, I can see that it didn't really bother me in this film. I feel like they had a huge cast and we talked about how the roles that um, Dan DeVito and Owen Wilson did could have been combined. There were also like some cameos in it that were cool, but just they felt like one too many and they just kind of didn't, they were trying to add elements. I'll say, I'm not going to tell you, well, Dan Levy is the one that really, mm. he was in there very briefly. I liked his work in Shit's Creek. I don't know why he's in the film at all yeah. because he was like, had two lines and they totally, totally sidelined him. There's another cameo that actually is really fun that I'm not going to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that one worked, but just the fact that they tried to put two cameos really close together is an example of how they were kind of trying to jam too much and they really yeah. should have just simplified it a little bit. Well, and the movie was already at two hours. I mean, for, again, for a film like this, that's, that's a little on the long side. And, sure. uh, I, I feel like there's maybe other things that they tried to include, like you mentioned, and just had to kind of cut them probably rightfully so, because it's just, uh, it was already kind of stretching a little bit on the long side as it was. Right. Again, I, I hate to sound so just kind of blase about a film, but it really is. I mean, do I think about this film after I saw it? Not really. Do I, uh, if somebody asked me, should I go see it? I'm not going to actively tell them no, because I think there's, eh, it, it could work for some people. I think some people could find some enjoyment from it and find it. Uh, again, there's nothing out of, out of the box I say is bad about the film, but there's also nothing I can really highlight or brag or raise up on a pedestal. It is a serviceable film that does the job of taking the ride of the Disney world ride or Disneyland ride and turning it into a movie experience. And luckily it's got a cast that's willing to do. I feel like as much as they can do with it and try to elevate it somewhat, but I also do feel like it's a little too cast heavy and sure. they really could have narrowed down the characters and got us a little more interest in, in each of them individually. So that's, that's where I am with it. I thought the visual effects were, were fine. Sure. They looked good. Yeah. The film looked fine. Looked good. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we are with it. Yeah. Same page. All right. Well, that is Haunted Mansion. It is playing, I don't know for how long, just because right. I don't really know who the audience is for this. I think we had a conversation about this as well. I don't know who the target audience is. Right. I don't see a lot of teenagers going to see this film because it's got Disney on the front of the name and it's maybe can be marketed as a little bit more kid friendly, but it's not really meant for little kids either. It's, and then I don't think there's enough for adults to really take away from it. So I don't, I don't know who goes to this. We'll <laughs> right. see. Haunted Mansion. It is a uh, director, Justin Simeon written by Katie Dippold. Uh, it is Disney's latest theme park film in car, uh, incantation. So here we go. So uh, check it out if you're interested. And uh, we're both kind of lukewarm on it in general. All right. So, Chris, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, you and I have recommendations to give. So 
we're maybe not giving the strongest recommendation for Haunted Mansion. We're not really giving any kind of recommendation <laughs> on it. We are going to bring up a couple of films, one each, that we are recommending that people go out and check out. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Foot Candle Films in just a moment. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the TV. We had our review of Haunted Mansion, which were both, eh, it's fine. Less than enthusiastic yeah, about but it. But it was okay. It was okay. It was okay. It was, it was something. Just <laughs> <laughs> so, say it was something. It was all right. Fair enough. Uh, so let's move on to our recommendations, though. Every time Chris and I get together, about once a month during our review, our, our review episodes, we'd like to also bring in a recommendation, a film that we feel like is something you may be interested in checking out. We recently had a chance to catch up with or see uh, or maybe it was one we've seen in the past and we just had a chance to revisit it. But whatever it may be, it's a recommendation that he and I both are going to give of a film. And the only stipulation is it's a film that you can actually watch from home online through some sort of streaming rental service. So That is not giving their actors and writers enough residuals. <laughs> no, they're definitely not. So unfortunately, we're not helping at all in the whole strike situation by watching more streaming content. Although I did read about that really quick, Chris, before okay. we go into our recommendation. Sure. I was actually curious about that. I wanted to know, as a film going, a film, a, 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 a admirer of the film community, yes. am I doing harm? by watching films on streaming during the midst of the strike, because the whole argument is, is that, you know, they're not getting enough residuals. The word I've heard okay. is that watching streaming films now is actually a good thing for their case, because it is, even though, yes, you could say it's lining the pockets of the studios by making the case that people are watching more of these I films see. and their content, and they have more metrics and numbers to show that people are doing this it makes more of the case that yes, they need to have a contract renegotiated to accommodate that. So I took solace in that. Okay. I'm going to go on that until somebody tells me otherwise. Fair I want to do the right thing here, but uh, yes. So that's the last word I heard is that we're okay. Okay. Watching streaming media. So fair enough. Okay. Well with that, Chris, do you want to go first? Do you want to tell sure. us what your recommendation is of a film that sure. you want to share with the audience? Yes. So um, I'm going to recommend, I think it came out in 2022 or was making the festival rounds then. Um, but it was called Linoleum and it stars Jim Gaffigan. And the kind of plot description is when the host of a failing children's science show tries to fulfill his childhood dream of becoming an astronaut by building a rocket ship in his garage, a series of bizarre events occur that cause him to question his own reality. So that um, sounds like a Chris Fry patent film does. right there. Doesn't um, it? Mm-hmm. I like Jim Gaffigan. I've, you know, he's a stand-up comedian. I've, he's been in a couple of films. Um, this is his first, to my knowledge, kind of lead role. Um, Ree Sehorn or Seahorn, who is in uh, that series, um, Better Call Saul. She did a lot of work in that. She's in this and plays his wife. She's also really good in the film. It's it's just a really great uh, independent film um, that has some stuff going on that makes it really unique. Imagine Donnie Darko told with the tenderness of the straight story. Hmm. Okay. So those are two vastly different films. Um, 
but like you know David Lynch directed the straight story but you kind of mash those together and somehow you I think you kind of get this film I can't go into why without spoiling things but um yeah I think it's if that sounds something like that might be interesting then I think you'd dig this hmm. um and I will say it gets a little dusty in the final moments really um yeah and it is playing streaming on Hulu as well as you can probably purchase it other places but it's streaming on uh, Hulu Streaming on Hulu. Yes. The film is Linoleum. Yes. And as to why it is called that, having watched the film, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) No, I'm not really really sure. Um, But Linoleum is the name of the film. Colin West is the director. Yes. And not familiar with anything else he's ever done. I am not either. This may be... It's a lot of shorts. Okay. And uh, it looks like he did one feature film... Feature-length film uh, the year before called Double Walker. Okay. But, yes, Linoleum. Don't see anything else that kind of listed for him coming up. Okay. But um, very curious to see. Colin West, writer and director of Linoleum. Yeah. And Chris I, is giving I, a I like it. I recommend it. Absolutely. Streaming on Hulu. Yes. Was there anywhere else you could see it? Can you rent it like straight out or is it just on Hulu right now? It's uh, like a Hulu exclusive. Yeah. I don't think it's Hulu exclusive, but it, it might be. That's where I watched it. So I'm not sure. You might be able to rent it other places. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out if it's something that sounds interesting to you. Linoleum. Okay, yes. there we go. Um, so mine is a, a very different type of pick. So Chris, Chris normally brings in some really great, interesting Newer films, ones a lot of people maybe haven't heard of as much, and he's he's shining a light on them. That's good. I I tend to go a little bit the other direction, Chris. I tend to bring in recommendations of films that are maybe older ones uh, that are were blind spots for me, ones that maybe I hadn't seen before. I feel regretful that I'd never seen them before, and now I've finally had a chance to check them out. And if they cross the threshold of being something I feel really good about, then I will make it a recommendation. Okay. Um, so I had a chance to catch up with a film that I've always had on my list of wanting to see. Thank you to um, my wife, who is a big uh, Turner Classic Movies fan. Uh, anytime I'm bringing up a recommendation of a film, Chris, that's older than like 30 years. <laughs> uh, it's because of her. Okay. Because she has it on or has us watching it. or Because basically TCM is on in our house almost 24 seven in the background at all times. So uh, dog day afternoon Ah. is 1975 film with Al Pacino. Uh, One of the few early Pacino films that kind of made him made him Al Pacino. I mean, this was after Godfather, the first Godfather, but this was him kind of commanding a a true lead role and the the critical role in a film. Bank robbery, right? Bank robbery. Absolutely. Three amateur bank robbers plan to hold up a bank it's a nice, simple robbery. They walk in, take the money, and run. Unfortunately, the supposedly uncomplicated heist suddenly becomes a bizarre nightmare as everything that could go wrong does. Um, I like bank heist films. I like heist films in general. I like the negotiations between you know, people uh, trying to... Uh, films, anyway, depicting those negotiations and how that all works out, the mechanics of it all. Right. And this is the kind of the prototypical one of that, that blueprint. Uh, it is, as the description just gave, a you know, we have uh, Al Pacino playing Sonny, who is going in with uh, friend Sal, and they are going in to rob a bank and to get money. Sonny is wanting to raise get money to help his his current wife, 
who get a sex change. That's what the money is kind of intended for. And so you've got automatically some interesting societal issues kind of woven into sure. the narrative there. Things that yeah. obviously become known about Sonny to the rest of the world and the press uh, and the media through this. It, it's, it's a tense film. It is a depressing film. Uh, it's a tough one to watch. But man, you want to say, you know, if you're if you're ever curious, if you've if you've only seen Al Pacino in films in the last twenty years, uh, you know I mean, they're kind of hit or miss as far as his performances, and he's become a little more stereotypical with his roles. Although I still think, you know, the Irishman, he was really good in. He got to really put on a good performance there. His work for du- Dunkin' Donuts is impressive. Yes, <laughs> that was the Jack and Jill movie, right? I believe the so. one he did uh, with Adam Sandler. Uh, and he, yes, he actually got to do a song and dance about Dunkin' Donuts in that film. <laughs> Very interesting. Anyway, this is this is prime Pacino back in the day, mid-70s, commanding presence on the film. I mean, he's just, like, I know Pacino's good. I've always liked his roles, even the ones that don't work as well or ones that have been a little more watered down in the last uh, few decades. But you see a film like this and you just remember, yeah, this guy this guy's got it. And oh, this sure. guy was at his peak at that time. So a um, couple of other interesting notes. I didn't realize that uh, Carol Kane is in the film as uh, one of the people working in the bank, uh, which is interesting. And uh, yeah, a few other people too. Uh, Lance Hendrickson also in there as one of the uh, police officers, or I think FBI that got involved in the case as well. Huh. So um, it's a good movie. It was a very good movie. Um, depressing and dark and sad and, uh, brought in a lot more hot topic uh, issues, I think, than people were maybe realizing at the time. Hmm. Okay. And some things that make it even a little more relevant today as well. And we still have the element of the the haves and the haves nots. We still have, uh, it's just, there's a lot going on in this film. And uh, I just found it very rewarding. So that is Dog Day Afternoon. We saw it on Turner Classic Movies, but I know you can rent it and uh, watch it from everywhere else you want to as well. Um, so that is my recommendation. Cool. All right. I've seen it, but I probably need to see it again. I've only seen it once. So. Yeah. See, I think I've always saw parts of it back, uh, early, early on, but I've never had a really a full setting of it like I did this time. And so that's gotcha. uh, definitely the way to watch it. It was good. And that's Sidney LeMay should, should, should say, uh, as the director of that kind of a famous director at the time, produced a lot of great work over the seventies, um, time period. And, uh, so yeah, good film. All right. Well, that wraps it up for today. So we had our review of Haunted Mansion, which we both gave the most lukewarm, mid-level, base-level recommendation possibly we could. Yeah, maybe save it for a rainy day when it's on a streaming service. <laughs> when yeah. it's on, we don't make it. It's going to be on Disney Plus. Oh so, yeah, sure. Yeah. Look, hey, if you got a Disney Plus uh, subscription, you're already paying for that. Right. And you got two hours and you just want to have something kind of at least mildly entertaining on. Yeah, sure. It'll be, on, it'll probably be on there come October. So that that's may, true. And that maybe that was the overall plan is to have it on Disney plus by October and kind of milk it for that. Who knows? Uh, and then we had our recommendations. Chris gave the recommendation of linoleum on Hulu. I gave the recommendation of dog day afternoon on 
pretty much any video <laughs> service you could try to find it on. So, all right, Chris, we do have something uh, exciting coming up in a few weeks. You want to remind everybody about that? Sure. We have the Foot Candle Film Festival, the 2023 edition. It'll be September 15th through the 24th. You can find out more information as far as full schedule, lists all the different films, all the different activities that are going to be on, going on during the festival at footcandlefilmfestival.com. That's kind of your one-stop shop for information. You can you know purchase tickets as well. It's um, Everything's there for you to see. Lots of good films coming. Should be a really good time. So uh, visit that if you will. Um, Otherwise, if you have any questions about the festival or about our show, you can send an email to info at footcandle.org. You can follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm. We're on Facebook, Foot Candle Film Society, Instagram and Threads. We're both on there as just Foot Candle Film. Al and I are on Letterboxd. You can track what we're seeing. Sometimes we leave a quick review. Do us a favor. If you like the show, give us a star rating, write a review, share with friends on whatever service you receive your favorite podcasts on, because it'll help us reach new listeners. We'd appreciate it. All right. Well, that will wrap it up for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll look forward to talking to you all again soon. Uh, We'll be back next week with another review, and uh, we'll see what else we throw in the show from that as well. So thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.